0: Romans chapter 16, and uh, we're going to begin in verse 17 in just a moment. We have come uh, to the end of the book of Romans. We have this Sunday and next that we'll be looking at this book together. And I hope uh, that if you have been here during uh, the majority of uh, our time through the book of Romans, that you understand uh, what... One, an accomplishment it is uh, for us to uh, travel this letter that Paul uh, wrote to the church at Rome together. It is, uh, without a doubt, Paul's most important uh, theological work. And so we know that, obviously, all Scripture is breathed out by God, and all Scripture is profitable. Uh, but Paul did something very unique in the ancient world in writing this lengthy letter. Typically letters are short. Paul's are long anyways in comparison with others in his own time. Uh, but to spend so much time uh, diligently writing uh, these things to the church at Rome is such an amazing um, thing for Paul to do. And for us to be able to travel through it for a year and really understand uh, Paul's theology of the gospel Um, is a great thing for us, and I hope that it has been a blessing to you as we've studied together. So we have two uh, messages left, and we begin this morning in Romans 16, verse 17. I invite you to stand with me in reverence to God's Word as we read it together. Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise to what is good and innocent to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sopater, my kinsmen. Ateratias, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me, and to the whole church, greet you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cordus, greet you. You may be seated. This is Paul's final theological admonition to the church at Rome. He has written... The longest of his letters, at least the longest that we have, and presumably the longest that he ever wrote. And his final admonition as he's been talking, he has presented the gospel. He has made the case for how separated from God we are because of our sin. He has laid out how it is that God has saved us through Christ. He has cautioned us in being divided over things that were not important. He has is, he is told the mature believer that that he must understand that sometimes he must set aside some of his freedom for the sake of the gospel and those who are not as mature in Christ. He has given us as we saw Justin last week this these personal greetings that come from or come to these who who he knows in the church these who are doing good work these who have encouraged him and these who he seeks to encourage and see so he comes with this final word in these last verses before he gives a doxology at the end to wrap up his letter And to send it out where it would go and and be read by many believers in Rome. It would be read in front of the church. It would be read now for some 2,000 years by believers who are seeking to know about their Lord. And his final warning, his final admonition is to be on guard for those who seek to divide the church, those who seek to put up obstacles in the church by teaching things that are not in line with the Word of God. He gives them this this appeal that he makes in verse 17 to watch out for those who are coming into the church, those who exist in the church, those who come from outside the church to divide the church of christ they would sneak into the church they might arise from those who are gathered then they would teach false doctrines that are contrary to what the apostles what the earliest disciples taught they would teach what is contrary to what jesus himself taught false teaching is not some minor issue If it was some minor issue, it might have found a line or two in the middle of the book. If it was some unimportant issue, it might have been something that Paul didn't address altogether. But the parting words of his letter is to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that has been taught. Paul is not talking about minor disagreements that we might have over doctrine. I don't even think here he is talking about the divisions that are caused by those who choose to eat meat offered to idols and those who don't, as we looked at previously. But he's talking about those who have developed a false message about Christ, those who have changed the very essence of the gospel of Jesus Those who have made in their own mind and in their teaching other ways for people to be saved. You and I need to be proactive in guarding our hearts and guarding our church against those who teach false doctrine. This is not a small issue. In fact, in the day in which we live, it is an enormous issue. It is an issue that is carrying away millions. It is an issue that is pervasive. And you and I must be cautious. We must be on guard. We must be proactive to ensure that we are not allowing those who teach false doctrine to influence what we believe about Christ and what we do for the calls of Christ so this morning I want us to, to try to answer that question a little bit how then are we proactive in watching out for those who teach false doctrine how, how do we go about preventing that well first Paul tells us in in the first verse that we're looking at this morning, verse 17, that we want to watch out for those, he says, watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles. And then as he ends that verse, verse 17, he says, avoid them. We're watching out for them. We're, We're pinpointing them. We're looking out in our culture. We're looking out in our community, and we're saying, Hey, that is not true. What they are teaching there is not right. And then we're avoiding that. We're not looking at it and saying, you know what, that's not right, but but it's okay because I don't want to judge them. It's not what the Bible says. We don't look out and say, you know what, they're teaching something false, but, you know, I really like the way they talk. Or, or... They're teaching, I don't know that what they're teaching is true, but but man, you know, they have a really big church. They must be doing something right. Paul says to watch out for them and to avoid them. And he's not the only one. Proverbs six tells us that there are six things that the Lord hates. Two of them are what? A false witness who breathes out lies. And the second one, one who sows discord among brothers. Now you notice that's not just my translation. It doesn't say the Lord really doesn't like people who teach false doctrine. The, the Lord really he has a problem with people who cause division. Proverbs says there are six things the Lord hates. You think about it, in all the world, in all the things that God could hate, two of them out of six, that's a third, that's 33.3% are those who breathe out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. Jesus in Matthew 7.15 warns his listeners, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Jesus had a problem with people who taught false doctrine. Much of Jesus' conflict with the religious leaders was over what? Their practice? No, their doctrine. And then their doctrine manifests itself in their practice. Jesus' problem with the religious leaders was a doctrinal issue. Paul writes elsewhere in Titus 3.10, as for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. The one who stirs up division, the one who creates obstacles for people, the one who is telling lies about what God has done, warn him once, warn him twice, and then have nothing to do with him again. set him aside Paul is telling believers to have nothing to do with those who cause division nothing to do with those who separate people from the message of Christ with their false message now as we read this and we know the context of the rest of the book of Romans we may not know exactly who it is that Paul is writing to here but We know that there are many different people who can fit this mold. There are many different types of false teachers. And he has written in this letter at various points about those who cause division and create obstacles. In other letters of Paul, he would address false teachers, he would condemn their words. And you and I need to be constantly watching for divisions and obstacles that arise when false teaching, false doctrine is taught. Friends, you, if you have been a Christian for a long time, you should be able to easily discern false doctrine. If you can't, friends, you need to get serious about maturing in your faith. Because when you hear something that is not in line with what is in the scripture, it should immediately draw in your attention. You should immediately know that something isn't right. Even even if you don't know exactly why it's not right, even if you can't explain why it's not right, it should at least dawn on you very quickly. This is not true. I remember in college and sitting in my theology class, and the professor would would say these things about, about God and about the Bible, and I knew, I knew there was something wrong about what he was saying. Now, he had a Ph.D., and I certainly did not. I was struggling to get my bachelor's degree at that point with a very low GPA. I could not write a rebuttal to him that was well-reasoned and biblically accurate, but I knew when I heard those things, something is not right about what he is saying. This is not in line with what I know to be true. Friends, if you can't do that, you need to get serious about the study of the Scripture. You need to get serious about knowing what God has said. Because it may very well be if you cannot distinguish between good doctrine and bad that you have allowed poor doctrine, false doctrine to come into your life and direct your thoughts. And friends, when that happens, you're not far from going off in a direction that you do not want to go in. My understanding is that for the Mormon church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which teaches a false doctrine, that their number one recruits are Southern Baptists. Now, why is that? It's because, friends, we don't know our doctrine as we should and we cannot distinguish between what is true and good and right and what is a false doctrine developed by Satan himself to lead people away from God. Friends, be on the watch. Don't allow false teachers to direct your path. So many today are consumed with what we call the prosperity gospel, which is anything but gospel, and only for those who are preaching it is anything but prosperity, or anything of prosperity. Somehow the, the preachers get rich, everyone else gets poorer, and we call it a prosperity gospel. That's normally what happens in communism, so maybe that's what it really is. The people at the top get rich and everybody else stays poor. Friends, if you've fallen into the prosperity gospel, this health and wealth thing, that if you have enough faith, God is going to tremendously bless you financially. Read this book. Not because it says a lot about the prosperity gospel, but because it was written by a guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament, who was the greatest missionary who's ever lived, who was the greatest theologian who ever lived, and he died poor in a Roman prison. If Paul didn't have enough faith to be rich, you don't have enough faith to be rich. And yet people by the thousands and millions are consumed with this false gospel, which as Paul says is no gospel at all. Watch out for false teachers. Watch out for false messages And avoid them. Point them out. You don't have to go on some type of of campaign against these people at other places, friends. We are concerned about our church and the right doctrine here. You're not going to go to Joe Osteen's church and convince them of his falsehood. You're not going to do it. You don't need to spend your time on Facebook. I don't need to spend my time on Facebook talking about what a false teacher he is. What I need to do is in my time teach truth and be consumed with truth and be concerned with how you, as the people of this church, are hearing truth and receiving truth. But friends, when you know someone is a false teacher, avoid them. You don't need to read that. You know it's wrong. You don't need to take that into your life. You don't need to watch them to try to pick out the critiques of their message. If you've got 30 minutes to watch Joel Osteen, there are hundreds of other preachers that I would gladly show you to watch for 30 minutes. Watch out for them and then avoid them. So the second thing that we do to be proactive, we want to guard. So we're watching out for and we're avoiding them, but we also want to guard against their deception friends false teaching is all about deception false teaching is convincing you of something other than the truth so he says in verse 18 for such persons talking about these false teachers these who cause divisions and obstacles for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ friends it's important to keep in mind that just because someone says Jesus sprinkled in a message or on their book, where they say church on their church, it doesn't mean that they are serving the Lord. Again, the, the easy example of that is when we, we hear that a place is called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And yet they believe, and one of the easiest for us to see They believe in a second book, actually they believe in several other books, but they believe in a second book that has authority for them, that teaches things about Christ that are contrary to the New Testament. So we know that right off the bat, we can see that, we can watch out, we can pinpoint it, we can avoid it, but we also have to, to guard against it, understanding that they don't serve Christ even though they use His name. They do not serve him they have another agenda what is their agenda second part of verse 18 but their own appetites they do not serve the lord jesus christ but they serve their own appetites and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the the naive friends if if there is no other example that you need of why the prosperity gospel is wrong right here it is when a preacher can with a straight face, stand in front of his people and say, I need, for the sake of the gospel, a private jet because I cannot fly coach. I cannot fly commercial because I can't get as much work done for the Lord. Friends, they are serving themselves. I've listened to a group of them talk about why it was so necessary to have a private jet because you needed that time to study and if you're if you're on a plane with other people people are going to bother you friends that's false doctrine that is not to serve Christ that is to serve ourself that is to use smooth talk and flattery to deceive those who are naive friends let me promise you that people who are caught up in this wave of false doctrine in our community are not people who have thought deeply about the things of God they are naive about it friends I don't think they are bad people the people that fall for it I think they are deceived because it sounds good It sounds nice to think, you know what, if I have enough faith in Christ, somehow I'm going to be financially blessed. My health is going to be somehow better. If my health is not good, it's because I don't have enough faith. Friends, that is a lie from the pit of hell, and it is simply not true. These people, these people who teach this false doctrine, they lead their lavish lifestyles, While they want their followers to remain in poverty. They're looking for notoriety and fame. And they do all of this in direct opposition to the gospel of Christ. Friends, this is no minor thing. This is no small disagreement that we have with them. And what you'll often find when you dig deeper into the theology of those who preach a false gospel is while they'll talk about the minor differences we have and try to make them out to be minor differences, when you dig deeply into what they really believe, you find that there's some big differences. You find that some of them don't believe in the deity of Christ. In other words, they don't believe that Jesus is God. Friends, that's not a minor difference. Oh, it might, we might try to say, well, the minor difference is how we do church or how we do music or, or this, that. No, the, the, the difference is that you don't believe that Jesus is God. They don't believe that, that you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. But when you dig deep down, you find a works based righteousness where you've got to work hard enough to get yourself to God. Why do you think the mormons and the jehovah's witnesses will knock on your door so consistently Is because they're working their way to heaven now friends we should take a page out of their book and understand that we do not work hard enough for the grace that we have received freely from christ not even close but friends we work because we've received grace they work in hopes of one day having grace Friends, we must be careful that we do not fall into the deception because it sounds good. These teachers use their smooth talk and flattery to deceive the naive. They build division by telling falsehoods. They'll be flashy and spiritual sounding. They may live some type of life that deep down our sinful materialistic desires want to live but we realize that they're not living the life that Christ has called us to live. Their goal is to lead those astray because it helps build them up. A third thing. We've seen that we've got to watch out and avoid these false teachers. We've got to guard against them and what we're doing. We've got to set up boundaries in our life. But thirdly, we've... We can't become complacent in our correct doctrine. We can't become comfortable in our correct doctrine. And you say, now wait a second, I thought you wanted us to have good doctrine. Yes, so I do want you to have good doctrine. I do think it's good to cause division over good doctrine. He's not talking about good doctrine here. He's talking about bad doctrine. Like, if you don't believe that Jesus was God, we have a problem. You are not a Christian. It's simple as that. You can't be a Christian and not believe that Jesus is God. It's just not, they're not compatible. You're following a mere man at that point. But that's not what he's talking about here. I think most of you, I hope all of you have good doctrine. You believe things that are true. You believe what the Scripture says. You take it to be truth you take it to be sufficient and he commends them for that verse 19 for your obedience is known to all he's done this elsewhere commended them commended them because they believe the truth he commends them here because they know the truth and they obey the truth and this is good he says but i want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent of what is evil He knows that they have correct beliefs. But he doesn't want them, as they have correct beliefs, to become complacent, to become comfortable in those correct beliefs, and therefore make them an easy target for false doctrine. See, I think it might be easy for you this morning to dismiss a lot of this message because you say you know what i believe what is true and i don't have a problem with false doctrine and i don't listen to false teachers and i don't read false books and and i'm i'm solid when it comes to my theology it would be easy for you this morning to believe that you're so solid that you can never be deceived and yet i would say that everyone in the church who's ever been deceived by false doctrine at some point believed they were too solid in their theology to be led astray by false doctrine. This is a deadly assumption. This is a dangerous assumption. Paul tells this church at Rome that their obedience is known to other believers, but he commends them, he reminds them, he instructs them, do not be complacent. Do not get comfortable Keep pursuing what is good. Keep being wise to what is good. Keep being innocent of evil. They obey God at this point, but it does not mean that they could not fall into false doctrine. They could be the naive ones that he's talking about back in verse 18, the the naive ones that are led astray. Because division is evil, and if they are not careful, they themselves could be caught up in evil. Division. They could be caught up in putting out those obstacles. They themselves could go astray. They could push others away from Christ by falling into the snare of these false teachers. Friends, I don't care how much you study the Bible or how long you have been a Christian, you are not ever to the place where you can be comfortable in what you know about Christ. If you could identify the one person in the whole world who knew God most, who who knew the most about God, who had studied His Word the most, who had memorized the most Scripture, who knew the, the most and best right doctrine. If you could identify that person and bring them here and let them stand here and share with you about Christ, I would promise you that the only reason they are there is because they have never become comfortable with what they know about Christ. And I would promise you they would stand behind this podium this morning and tell you that they will never be comfortable with what they know about Christ. Because the more you know about Christ, the more you want to know about Christ. So friends, if you are not growing in your faith, that means you've become comfortable. You've become complacent. And you are a prime target For one who teaches false doctrine, you're an easy target because you become stagnant. You're an easy target because you're not taking in God's word fresh. If the Roman church decided to become comfortable, they would find themselves divided. They would find themselves victims of evil. We even get a sense, as Paul is teaching, that there's already that that rumbling there about this food that is sacrificed to idols. And so Paul wants to put it down. He wants to put that, that division to death. He wants it removed from the church because they have been built together. They're one body in Christ. And he wanted them one body together with good doctrine. So I wonder this morning. Are you satisfied with what you know about God? Do you think that you're really mature in your faith? I have my students. They write a paper on where they are in the discipleship process. And there's different levels of discipleship from being an infant to being you know, basically a parent and a replicator who's, who's making more disciples. And I'm never concerned about the students who write about being in the infant stage of discipleship because they're honest. I'm always concerned about the student who writes about being the parent because when you're the parent and you're the disciple maker and you're the pastor, and you're the Sunday school teacher, and you're the deacon, that's when you become complacent about your doctrine. I'm reminded all the time what I do not know about Christ. Every now and then, I get to share what I do know about Christ. I get to do that here. I, I get to do that. We, we went on a trip Friday to a conference, and I felt like we, we got to talk for, for six, Jensen and I and some others. We got to talk for three hours on the way there, three hours on the way back, and I felt like there were times when I got to share what I knew about Christ. But I'm most often reminded of what I don't know about Christ. The things I don't know, even with those degrees on my wall, the things I don't know even with my seminary classes, the things I don't know even though I get to teach other ministry leaders, I don't know those things. And I'm so often reminded of what I don't know. Friends, if you have become complacent, you need to stop that today. You need to go home and spend time this afternoon reading your Bible, things that you don't know about him. You need to get yourself in a Bible study. You need to get yourself in front of some preaching, not just the one on Sunday morning. You need to be listening to good preaching during the week. You need to be doing something to be growing in your faith because if not, you are primed to be a victim of false doctrine. And friends, you cannot lay the blame at anyone's feet but your own. You can't say, well, he had a flashy suit or a nice car, he promised big things. You were warned this morning not to follow those things. It lays at your feet if you're responsible. And so do not be complacent. And then fourthly, Paul tells us that we can find rest in the Lord's promise to destroy the work of Satan. So we're watching against false teachers. We're guarding against them. We're not becoming complacent in our own correct doctrine. And then we find rest in the Lord's promise to destroy the work of Satan. First, in verse 20, we see that he will crush Satan. All the way back in Genesis three fifteen, the Lord promised that this deceiver who had brought about the temptation that led Adam and Eve into sin, this deceiver who had so corrupted all of humanity, this deceiver who continues today to corrupt humanity, would be crushed. Satan will not deceive forever, neither will false teachers, because they will be crushed with Satan. Satan they will receive his punishment as well. Satan will not continue to put obstacles in the way, and you and I should rest in this promise. Friends, I get discouraged when I see the number of people that will listen to garbage and will not listen to correct doctrine. Maybe you get disheartened about a lot of different things out in the world. That's my thing. That very few people will endure the teaching of, Of truth, but many will go and celebrate a lie. But, friends, that will not last forever. We must guard against these teachers in our church and our home, but we should know that when we see their work, we're not discouraged, but rather we're reminded they will fail, their message will fail. And instead of complaining about them and whining about them, what we do is redouble our work in sharing the truth of Christ's gospel. We are not satisfied with simply letting them have their day. But rather, we celebrate what Christ has done for us. The Lord is going to crush Satan He's going to crush him underneath his feet. He's going to destroy the work of Satan. He's also doing that, not only as he crushes Satan, but also, look, And it seems a bit obscure, but look in these last three verses, 21 through 23. He is, he is destroying the work of Satan by bringing people together for the cause of the gospel. In his victory over Satan, Jesus has brought together people who would not be together otherwise. Remember this, that Satan is defeated. He is defeated at the cross. And through the power of the cross, the Lord is taking people who were once divided and bringing them together. If you look at these men that are listed here, Timothy and Lucius and Jason and others, Tatius, who actually was the one who scribed out this entire letter as Paul dictated it to him. But then we see Gaius and we see Erastus and we see Cordus. Those are not Jewish names. These are Gentile brothers. Paul's missionary team that is finishing up this letter, that is commending people to fight against false doctrine, is a team that has been brought together That was once divided. There was once Jews and there was once Gentiles, and and Christ, through the power of the cross, has brought them together as He is crushing Satan. He is bringing people together. He is not the God of division. Justin preached for us last week, the beginning of this chapter, they gave us this entire list of names. These would no doubt be people that Paul would, would commend as having right doctrine. Paul's not saying, Hey, to false teachers, he's not saying, Wish them well, to false teachers. And then he proves the power of God over divisions in the church by giving us this list of both his kinsmen, those who were Jewish, as he calls them there, and then those who were Gentiles. Verse 21, his kinsmen. Verse 22 and 23, Gentile-named people working together for the sake of the gospel overcome the division of their ethnicity their religious division that they would have had before the cross made one family in christ this is what the lord does as he crushes satan underneath his feet while we are stressed about division we are worried about obstacles we we see these false teachings we're reminded of the power of christ false teachers trying to divide being wicked in this way but the gospel brings people together that's why a false gospel is such it's such a shame against the true gospel because the true gospel brings people together while a false gospel tears people apart so i wonder this morning are you taking the proper precautions in your own life when it comes to those who teach falsely. Friends, do not be lax in this area. Do not put put false teachings in your mind just because you like maybe their presentation or you get some emotional satisfaction. Friends, emotional satisfaction is not what the gospel does. Friends, the gospel gives us joy. It gives us hope in the midst of our turmoil. It gives us life over death friends we'll go listen to someone who makes us happy or who makes us laugh but friends they'll lead us astray the lord hates deception and he hates division he hates those who distort his gospel friends much of uh, many of us many of us expose ourselves to truth much less than we should if you had to sit down and take a week worth of hours and And mark in those hours how much time you actually were exposing yourself to the truth of God's Word, would it be embarrassing? If you're planning to spend an eternity in heaven with God, shouldn't we spend more than a few minutes a week getting to know Him? There's no wonder that our culture has fallen so quickly into sin and so quickly away from the truth of the gospel because we weren't being exposed to the truth of the gospel people have no clue about the truth of the gospel friends we do not study god's word as often as we should we do not listen to biblical teaching as often as we should we do not pray as often as we should why then would we spend any time devoted to false teaching and false teachers friends if you've only got 30 minutes to listen to a message as you're driving during the week you don't have any clue who you should listen to come ask me i'll be glad to tell you I'll be glad to give you the link to their podcast. You can play it in their car. We'll get you a CD if you need that. Don't listen to garbage. Don't put it in your life. Because it will do things that you not, do not intend for it to do. Friends, the truth of the gospel is far greater than any of this mess that you're going to be tall elsewhere. The truth of the gospel is that God created you, each one of you, and he made you in his image. He gave you life, and he created you in a special way, not like anything else that he created. He created you differently. But as we saw a minute ago in Genesis chapter 3, we decided to disobey God, and that separated us from him. But because God is a God of love, he sent his son, his one and only son, to live a perfect life that we didn't live, to face the temptations that we fell into. He rejected them to go to a cross and die in our place. We were going to die because we were separated from God, but now through Christ, because he died in our place, he took our sins on him. He was the sacrificial lamb. He tells us if we turn from our sin and believe this truth, believe this gospel, that he'll save us, and not only that, but one day he'll call us to himself, we'll be with him forever, we don't don't die, we live with him forever, or he'll come back one day and claim us as his own. Either way, in the end, we win not because of anything we've done, not because of anything you have done, but all because of what Christ has done for you. Friends, that's a message of hope. If there's a God out there that you can believe in and he fills up your bank account, and so you get to live as wonderfully in this life as you've ever thought, you can have everything that you've ever imagined, friend, you'll still die and go to hell. You'll still die and be separated from God forever. But the gospel, the true gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ says that if we will trust and rest in what he has already done for us on the cross, we will be with him forever. Friends, why would you want to follow the teachings of anyone else? You cannot hear anything better than what I just told you. Not because of my eloquence, but because of the power of that truth. You can go hear the best preacher in the biggest stadium with thousands of people chanting and singing. And, and But that truth of the gospel, that God has made you, he has offered his forgiveness to you, he's offered you to be with him forever. Friends, it doesn't get any better than that. If you've never followed Christ, today's the day to do that. Today is the day to say, God, I am a sinner. I've rejected you, but God, I'm going to trust in you and not in me. Friends, if you're listening to this false garbage, friends, go home. Go home and destroy those books. Go home and delete those podcasts. Go home and turn that off of your radio. Friends, it is not worthy of your time. And let's all, as believers in Christ, redouble our efforts to input into our lives the truth of what God has given us in his word. And realize that's the only thing that's sufficient to save. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, God, we are grateful that you've given us another opportunity to gather into your house. God, we're thankful for your word. God, I'm thankful that it is it's easy to preach because it says what needs to be said God we don't have to go searching for truth you have given it to us God my prayer this morning is that God for those who know you they would watch and avoid and guard with their heart against this false teaching they would never become comfortable in what they know but seek to know you more God, that we would rest in the knowledge that you have the victory. God, you've called us to be faithful. God, I know that some are here this morning and have never followed you. God, I just pray that you would speak to their heart. God, the truth is that without you, we have nothing. With you, we have all we need. God, without you, we're lost Without you, we have no hope, no direction. But God, with you, we have all things. God, I just pray that, God, the one here who doesn't know you this morning would would just respond to your word, would come. Let me share with them how to know you. God, that you'd save their heart, not through my words, God, but through yours. God, we thank you for your grace and mercy and how you've shown it abundantly to us. And we pray this morning in Christ's name amen I want to invite you to stand with me as we sing uh, a final song this morning I just want to invite you to respond to God's word friends if there's falsehood in your life and what you're listening to what you're hearing come come and pray that God would remove that come if you've got a question about somebody come and let me at least try to show you in scripture what I think about what they're saying not because it's my opinion but friends I'm concerned about your heart I'm concerned about what goes into your mind. Friends, if you don't know the Lord this morning, I want to invite you to come. Come this morning and turn from your sin and follow your creator who has offered you life. Friends, in him there's hope. Let me share with you that hope this morning. Would you respond to God's word as we sing this song together?
1: Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love. can bid me this too far but tongue can bid me and too when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within upward I look and see him there made an end to all my sin because the sinless Died, my sinful soul is counted free for God, the just is satisfied to look on Him and be to look on. Him Praise the one, the risen Son of God Behold him there, the risen Lamb My perfect spotless righteousness The great unchangeable I am The King of glory and of grace One with himself I cannot die my sinful searches by His blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. With Christ, my Savior and my God. With Christ, my Savior and my God. And hallelujah, hallelujah. Son of God And hallelujah 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 And Son of God His confidence eyes will see he'll rule the world with power and might. as all things fall beneath his feet the skies will part the sun will fade and in their place his face will shine i know my tears he'll wipe away for i am his and he is mine I am here the night and hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord who is the Son of God.
0: Well, I want to thank you for coming to worship with us this morning, and uh, I just pray the Lord will be with you as we go uh, through this week. Uh, We have, uh, very briefly, our third quarter business uh, meeting as a church, so if you're a member, we ask that you would stay. If you're visiting with us, you're welcome to stay. Uh, We'll be starting Sunday school in just a few minutes, uh, because we actually don't have any business on the agenda, but just to review a couple items real quick. And, um, and then we'll be going to Sunday school. So, But if you're a guest and, and need to leave, we understand that. And, and thank you for visiting with us. But if you're a member, if you'd be seated, and uh, we'll get started with our meeting.